2: Welcome to the Comedy Album Book Club. This is Matthew Ardill, and today I'm happy to present our interview with California-based comedian and writer Beth Stelling. You may remember Beth from our April episode with the hilarious Grace Smith and Ryan Hughes, where we chatted about Beth's second album, Simply the Beth. Beth was Ohio-raised and started her comedy career in the Chicago comedy community before relocating to Los Angeles in 2012, shortly after releasing her first album, Sweet Beth. She has appeared on Conan, Jimmy Kimmel Live, The Meltdown with Jonah and Kamale, At Midnight, Last Call, The UCB Show, The Stand-Ups, and We Can Fix You, not to mention her Comedy Central half-hour special. Beth has performed across North America and around the world with sets at the Melbourne Comedy Festival just for last in Montreal, JFL 42 in Toronto, where I was lucky enough to see her perform, and frequently tours the U.S., performing at clubs and festivals across the country. As well as doing stand-up, Beth works writing for television, working as a writer and story editor on projects including I Love You America, Seth Rogen's Hilarity for Charity, Crashing, and also producing roles ...for her set on The Stand-Ups, as well as the film Good Boys and the TV series Ridiculousness. Beth Stelling's material is at once story-driven and joke-dense, a feat that's hard to accomplish. Her material never feels hard to follow and is very conversational... Having seen her perform, there's an immediate accessibility to her performance, an, an openness and assuredness on the stage. You trust her immediately, and when you follow her on the ride of a joke, it may go to some dark places, but you know, on the other end, you're going to laugh. During our conversation, we talk about some of the albums that influenced her journey in comedy, as well as her work as a punch-up writer and working as, in a writing room, and how it's changed her approach to comedy. We also touch on her album, Simply the Beth, and some of the material she may have approached differently if she had it to do again, as well as the question, did her mother ever figure out who her best friend was? Thanks to Beth Stelling for taking the time to sit down with us and opening up about her influences, process, and work. Please enjoy the episode, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe.
3: Hello. Hey Beth, this is Matt from Comedy Office awesome Foot Club. How are you doing? Hey. I didn't know
4: you're from Canada. Otherwise I would have never agreed to this.
3: That's <laughs> yes. Canadians are trouble. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, how are you doing? Great, thanks. Great. Thanks for chatting with me today. And um, how how are you doing?
4: I'm extremely tired. Um I uh I did wake up for you. I'm uh, I was delayed. I did shows in Oregon. I'm just gonna turn my record player. Off. I did uh, shows in um, Oregon. Yes, like all weekend. I did um, what was it? Bend, Salem, and Eugene. I was trying to get home yesterday morning, and um, I, my flight was at six. I woke up at four, and um, and then I got to the airport, and my flight was delayed six hours. Because the you know, oh, wheel man. wheel was messed up, and so um, so I just you know obviously stayed at the airport. I guess I could have like taken an Uber back, but to the hotel and slept for four more hours. But that's like yeah. a weird risk. What
3: yeah, you yeah, know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was one of those things. Like a, a wheel. You're, you're you're glad they figured that out before you got in the air. Um, so yeah. I I've...
4: <laughs> and then you finally get home, and it's like two thirty. I had to wait for my bag because I had merch with me, and mm-hmm. then by the time I got home, I don't even know. I think it was—I don't want to exaggerate, but I think it was like four thirty or five. Yeah. Ouch. So it's like, I yeah, I was just doing that for twelve hours.
3: Yeah. So when I first reached out, you you mentioned um, you. Don't didn't listen to a lot of comedy as a novice comedian um, to keep right. it from influencing your work. Uh, I, I actually literally did my very first stand up set last night. I've been doing improv and sketch for a while, and it was my my Whoa. first time doing stand up. And it was sort of like, how
4: did it go?
3: I, I, it went pretty good. It went pretty good. Uh, it was you know friends and family. I, I, it's a second city course, so you know it's a oh, okay. it's a merciful start to to uh to oh, yeah. comedy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's I've had like, I've had improv sets where rea- it's like oh yeah. geez, yeah. Isn't like a real yeah, but it's like a program where they put you
4: into the just like the nice little sanctuary instead of into the wild to get eaten.
3: <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like the sugar water they give to like baby gazelles yeah. before they let them out the, into the wild to be hunted <laughs> by lions. Uh, but do you think that's imp- important for comics during those early stages, Like just like to find their voice and sort of stay away from from other material?
4: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have known. I mean, like, no one taught me anything. I, you know, like,
3: mm-hmm.
4: I didn't take a class. I know some great comics who started with a class, so I'm not against that at all. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's hard to teach stand-up personally, but yeah. also I I know why they exist, and I think they're helpful. I guess I really was more into acting and theater, and uh, mm-hmm. I always liked the funny stuff, of course, like I did musicals and not really plays. My my, my early stuff was just musicals in high school, and I loved getting laughs. And and then I also did speech and debate, so I liked getting laughs that way.
3: Yeah. But it was, uh,
4: sorry, I'm going to yawn. Uh, no <laughs> I might have a history of um, yawning on Canadian podcasts, and <laughs> I, would rather, <laughs> I, I would rather be, I was on grams. yeah. And stop broadcasting yourself, is that what it is? Right?
3: Yes. Yeah.
4: Okay. And um anyway I couldn't stop yawning. <laughs> no disrespect. <laughs> I love Canada. I'd rather be Canadian.
3: No, but, no, um, no worries, no worries. You know, Keep up the tradition. But
4: Yes, yes. So okay, anyway, the point is my friend Will, who was on speech and debate with me, he burned me Jim Gaffigan's album was like, You should listen to stand up, have you ever, you know, thought about stand up? And the truth mm. is I don't It's been so many years, I kind of don't know, but I I know for a fact that I never, like, listened to stand-up and idolized it and dreamed of doing it. I think I always thought it was sort of just this kind of um, unreachable thing that you had to, like, almost have it in you, like, be a genius to be able to do it. You know, like, it wasn't something you worked on and became. It was more like, oh, that's like a um, gift you know, like that is Mm -hmm. something, you know, like I just didn't think that was really achievable, I guess is the word. And so um, I listened to it and it it didn't like hook me or anything. Jim's amazing. So it's not like it was a bad album. I listened to it. It was pretty cool. I think it was just, it's the idea of remaining standoffish to something that you don't think is approachable. And when I finally did start, and that yeah, I was very scared of stealing and being stolen from, which is a funny little thing that mm-hmm. a lot of young comics go through. Little do they know, most older comics did pass their bits at year three.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's uh yeah, like it's funny because like you uh, like Robin Williams for example, like was notorious for, it, but it just it was completely yeah, unme- it wasn't premeditated. It's just like it gets something you can get to your head and sit yeah. there and you think, oh, that's my idea. It was totally funny kind of thing. So if I, if yeah,
4: I, if I understand that. I idolized Robin and who knows what was going on in his head. He could have, I mean, you know, does I don't, obviously we think stealing is like a mortal sin, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I don't, I would, I also would never do it. I would be mortified if I did. I've never yeah. done any stealing on purpose. You know, like, that's kind of like a, a cardinal rule, but with him, I, I really don't know what his I guess we can't know unless there's an interview or something where he talks about it. But
3: Uh, like sometimes uh, I think he
4: did just take it. I think he sometimes did, and and maybe maybe because he knew he could do it better.
3: (laughs) Well, possibly, possibly. There is always that. There is always that thing of like, oh, it's a good idea, but. I know I you could do this or this and this and uh, yeah. I, I mean, I already... watch
4: comics still, and I want to. I, I because mm-hmm. I've done punch up now for so long. I mean, yeah. not so long, but you know what I mean—a couple years. That um, yeah. I'm, I'm talking like a grizzled sixty-year-old, and my voice sounds like it. But um, <laughs> anyway, I, because I've been—that's been my job more, uh, uh, writing and punch up. Sometimes now I found going back to stand up that. Um, yeah, I watch other people, and I'm like, what if you said this? I mean, I don't go up and say that to them, but I'm like, oh, there's the opportunity there. <laughs> but the truth is, none of us have directors telling us that. And, no. yeah. and used to be someone who would never expect or or accept help as a CSF. Mm-hmm. It's like such a lone sport. And um, we didn't do a lot of, like, building and riffing, like... I'm not saying it never happened in Chicago, but it wasn't like a com- a community group thought where it was, what oh, yeah. if you had this, or what if you had that? You know, it always felt very singular. And so mm-hmm. um, now more days, I'm almost open to like, I want to know how it made you feel or what it made you think. And that's helped me as I've been shaping my new hour. Like, I'll just ask friends that I trust. And they have yeah. pointed out things that make total sense where I'm like, yeah, I mean, you know, if you've told... Tell- Sell certain things over and over again, or you start chopping and editing, or whatever. Yeah, you, ha- you need somebody else to be like,
3: "Here's that doesn't make any sense at all." Yeah, uh, cool. Now, you um, when when we chatted, when we when I reached out, you mentioned three albums: um, so Retaliation by Dane Cook, Jim Gaffigan's Beyond the Pale, and Maria Bamford's Burning Bridges. Um, so, what made those three like stand out in your memory as like albums that are just like Wow, these are these are cool albums. I mean um, besides Jim being the first <laughs> thing.
4: Yeah, Danes for me was like I think another person, I can't remember who Oh maybe my friend Tim. I always had these comedy guy friends or, you know, performance friends that I became very mm-hmm. close with that I'd clown around with. But yeah, Tim, um Will Allen was the first one who showed me Jim and then Tim Simeone is the one that showed me Dane Cook. And I remember just that was the first time that I really got rolling uh, listening to comedy Mm -hmm. and wanting to share it with others. And I mean, I specifically, of course, remember like the shit on the coast, but we'd be in a van, like I remember with friends, I think it was before my senior year of college, like down to Charleston, which was actually the first time I even tried stand-up. So it was like listening to Dane was intimidating because the last per minute and his energy and mm-hmm. just making us just cry laughing. He was so silly yeah. and imaginative. And so that's what I remember about that album. Like it, it, it was like college kids, you know, really connecting with it, dying, laughing, yeah. sharing it with each other. And, um, and then Maria's album came later for me once I was in LA. Uh, she, I met her. When she came to do the Lakeshore Theater in Chicago, she offered Mm -hmm. to do a little workshop with anybody who wanted to come on the Saturday before her show. She's always been generous like that and open. And I initially thought that her voice was a joke. Like when I first heard her album or even Mm -hmm. her performance, and I was turned off by it. Um, I don't like fake stuff. And um, then when I met her, I thought, oh my gosh, that's her, that's how she is. And uh, it just kind of changed things for me, um, getting to know mm-hmm. her as a person and also watching her perform, her voices and characters and full commitment and complete vulnerability. And so yeah. um, that's when I, I think I came in contact. I must have either bought or she gave us, or it was like my uh-huh. first festival. Maybe like it could have been just for last Montreal when they give you the swag bag in 2011. Mm-hmm. I did New Faces, and I might have gotten the Burning Bridges in that. It was a the
3: album mm-hmm. disc,
4: and so I remember playing it um, out here in LA in my old driveway. Um, I liked it because it like even the title has a little edge, which yeah which is Maria. Like everybody is, thinks, you know, she is nice and all that. And and her demeanor and her performances have a sweetness to them, but she's sharp as a tack. And, Mm
3: -hmm.
4: you know, she can really, um, you know, lampoon things, behavior. And like, as we've seen dealing with mental illness and tough, darker subjects with precision and, I think even the fact that it was called The Burning Bridges to really delighted me. Yeah.
3: Well, that's like, the, the thing, okay. yeah. sure you go ahead. That as you say, the thing that I noticed like all three of those albums, it's it's very truthful. Like it's like what you, when you listen to those albums, I I get an idea like I don't think Dan Cook is ne- necessarily exactly like who he is on the stage, but that energy I'm sure is there. And I think
4: he uh, was but, then. I think he's changed over time, but like I think that was maybe him at his I don't know him,
3: but potentially happiest. Yeah. yeah. But they just it feels very honest. All three all yeah, all three of those albums are like I feel like if I was to sit down with those people at that point in time, that's who I'd be sitting with. And yeah. I appreciate that in comedy. Like I there's a British comic I saw just for like, JFL forty two in Toronto a few years mm-hmm. ago and it was just like I saw his him do his 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 his, his hour and then yeah. I saw the same special on Netflix and even the quote unquote spontaneous bits were mm-hmm. exactly the same and it just it just changed the feel of the entire thing I was like I left the the show thinking oh this was funny this is good But then then when I saw it, it it's just like, oh, no, that was totally fabricated. There was no genuineness in this. And that's what I mean. And there's nothing wrong with it. It's a style and it's fine. It's just not what I want when listening to an album or seeing somebody play.
4: I know. I I always yearn for, like, truth and and being genuine and honesty and trying to get to you know I like telling real things that happen, and
3: yeah.
4: they always have been like that and so it was always shocking to me, like, "Wait, you can make it up, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> are people seriously making stuff up? um, yeah. that's almost harder to me, but um, I don't know, I will say too, like as I'm headed into doing my first hour special, like mm-hmm. there are gonna be moments that I improvise. And I and, and I hear what you're saying, so don't feel like bad with what I'm about to say. But um, mm-hmm. there are moments that are improvised at some point that I have now included because you want to capture them. And uh, but I also understand where you're coming from. Two things: one, some guy recently commented on my YouTube channel. It was more like a general thing about comedy because there's no way it could have been about me. It was just probably just trying to be a douche. But it was like yeah. it's so creepy to watch people in the same act rehearsed word for word, blah, 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 blah. And he commented on uh, that on my personal YouTube, which has one video, which is me doing a film mm-hmm. show in, like, I think it was 2014 or something. So, I, re- I mean, I wrote him back. I was like, hey, there's no way you've recently seen this rehearsed word for word, but okay. I mean, like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an old bit, but... So it's like I get that too, but then more specifically mm-hmm. for me, I understand now, you know, why you might want to put it in the special. So you listen back for a reason to your sets if you improvise something. Yeah. I think the times that I particularly relate to what you're saying, I'm gonna take a bite of this real quick. Hold on, I'm um, not started eating breakfast. But the oh, times man. I particularly relate um, are like someone, for example. Maybe this is just me justifying, but like, um, I have an improvised moment or I know a little what to expect with audience members when I'm doing a certain part- portion of my hour because I've done it so many times now that mm-hmm. I can navigate it easier, you know. So it's crowd work within an hour special, but I have a framework for it. But mm-hmm. then the times that bother me are like, um, I'm, I'm not going to give a good example because I'm a little, I'm not as sharp as normal right now, but it's like, normal. um, say i'm looking at this old frame i have in my kitchen that is like an old flashcard so um it says like uh say i'm say the is, i really miss obama and it, sorry that's what the flashcard is it's like an old frame from when he won when, we, when i lived in mm-hmm. chicago but um and then i go so i go i really miss obama and that's what i'm saying in my act or that's what it, you know the sentences, but I go. I really miss so Osama, <laughs> Osama. Oh my god! Blah, 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 blah. Okay, so say I I do that, but then I yeah. do that in, repeatedly in the special. Like I, I mistake a word, which then turns into a bit that irks the shit out of me. It's so gross. Mm-hmm. I hate it because I know it's rehearsed, but then you put it in your special. So that's actually where something like that will get me to where I'm like, ew. Mm-hmm. The, the trip over a. A, a, the fake trip over a word.
1: Uh, yeah, and then
4: the, yeah. the the things that ensue afterwards. I'm just like <laughs> you would have cut it. From the yeah, <laughs> yeah. You it's, it. It's,
3: it's, yeah. And it's it's one of those things. It's like it's, I it's nothing wrong with it. It's just one of those like you know, it's it's a flavor kind of thing. Like well, and yeah. I respect so, like, kind yeah. of the
4: difference between alt comics and club comics over the years. Like yeah. they even just like you know, when you're at the comedy store in the main room or something, it's like, you want to be like, you know, hammer it and like, try to get a large group of people's attention and, you know, give your jokes. I'm not saying I always do that, um, but I'm I'm usually in the OR, but, um, and then when you, when Meltdown existed out here in LA in the comic book shop, it's like, Mm -hmm. they just wanted to hear like what was going on with you now. And then, you know, like, if you came out and did a precise act of jokes, they, they, it's not that you wouldn't do well necessarily, but they just wanted to be with you and so that's yeah. the that difference almost between alt and clubs.
3: Yeah, there's a, there's a, a, a naturalness to alt comedy, I find. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, it's an honesty. And I mean, it's not that other comedy before that wasn't honest. It's just a different voice. Uh, and that's, that's, and that's why it still resonates with me. Like, yeah. you know, Maria and Patton and all, all that sort of that movement, like with Sarah Silverman and all that, all all of those voices where it was just like, yeah, this is the unvarnished me. Um, And and it was just, so that's what really, I loved in comedy. One of the, the, what really made me think, Oh, this is something that I'm not just, I enjoy, but this is something I want to dedicate my life to in some capacity. Yeah. Not just like Um,
4: necessarily a punchline or a,
3: I mean, yeah. more like talk, talking about their life. or Yeah. Now, yeah. you have exactly. two albums. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's it's just there's a, you know, and I mean, it predates them. I mean, uh, it, and that's the thing with this podcast is we really dig into stuff. Like, we recently did Lenny Bruce. Um, so, I mean, it goes back years, but it's like finally, it was finally resonated with me with that generation of comics when where it's like, it? oh, these are... No, no. Uh, like Patton Oswald and Sarah Silverman uh-huh. and, and that, that entire group where it's like, I mean, they're descendants of that same type of voice, but it's finally like, oh, it's caught up to a point where it's like, oh, I understand this. Like, this is, this speaks to me. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's, I, yeah. Um, did you um, now, watch, or did you do Lenny
4: because of Maisel?
3: Oh, oh we did. Because, well, I mean, just because, I mean, I loved the portrayal of of Lenny and Maisel. It, it really, like, yeah. there's moments where it's, like, he just, the, the actor portraying Lenny just captures even the most minuscule mannerism so brilliantly, and it doesn't see, feel forced. It just feels yeah. natural. It's not like, oh, this is some actor who's, like, being method or whatever. This is, like, no, it just feels like this is an approximation of this person, and it, it captured, it didn't dwell on the nasty Parts of his life, it it just sort of highlighted how he was like a mentor to a lot of people. Um, yeah, and and I thought it was perfect. And I love Mazel. I love I love that show. It's uh, I love it. I mean, it's a- there's, there's there's
4: comics that that I love and respect that I hate it, and I'm like, you know, yeah. sometimes when you like something, unless somebody tells you, and you're like, oh, <laughs> I remember my friend April, who was a black woman, was like she was doing a an thesis, and she studied Basically, she was was studying black history and and mm. I, I remember this was when we were living in Chicago and I was like, I wouldn't saw The Help with my mom. Oh, it was such a sweet film. And she then was like very gently and it's not her job to do this, but was like, okay, so here's what's wrong with that film. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, of course I wouldn't think of it that way because I'm a freaking white person. But it was basically yeah. the, the idea that white women saved the, these uh, women who were stuck in slavery and in their homes. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, when somebody's just like, well, here's a different perspective. because I am thankful she did that. But that just made me think of when you like something and somebody else comes along and is like, here's why it's fucked. And you're like, oh, <laughs> shit. Um, yeah. But yeah, Maisel, of course, is, is different than that, but it just made me think yeah. of April because Ma more, I think some people have an issue because she isn't a Jewish person and she's portraying a fairly caricature character, character version of a Jewish person. Um, yeah. I think there's that. And I again, I, I grew up Christian Methodist in, in Ohio, so I'm always having to mm-hmm. sort of learn new things even as I go. But um, I think, too, some people prefer... A comic playing a comedian, and I've been like that in my life. I've been like, it. Ha- if it's a stand up comic, it has to be played by a stand up comic. But to me, you know, I think Rachel does a, a really amazing job playing a
3: comedian. Oh, yeah. To the point where yeah.
4: I look at it and I'm like, well, I couldn't do that
3: <laughs> at all. Like, it just Yeah, I mean, it, and Andy Sherman Palladino's writing is always so, so tough. It's just like, it, it's just like so quick and so. That's, and, and but and it and sometimes you know like in Gilmore Girls it was like a little like ah oh, uh, this just doesn't feel right to me like put um, on but yeah it felt put on but in in Maisel it feels right because this is in, it's like it's a fantasy of 1960s comedy you know it's like a fantasy yeah. of that that East Village you know the, right. the 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 jazz rooms and stuff and this is in my imagination this is kind of what it was. To me, like when Joan Rivers was coming up and, and, and you had all these like folk bands mixing with comedians. This is what it was in my head. So it's like, oh, this works. This just resonates for me there. Um, but yeah, yeah. The, the show has these like crazy little details. Like the dress at the end of season one being uh, like uh identical to the one Joan Rivers wore on her first appearance on, on The Tonight Show and stuff like that. Oh, it's cool. like and it's just like, you know, and, and it's like one of those things I, like, read online later. I'm like, oh, wow, that is crazy. Uh, but yeah, And it's just so it's, it's done from a place of love, which goes a long way for me, too. Yeah. I don't, I don't
4: know. Uh, everybody was like, you don't get on stage by bringing a brisket. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's just need stuff. Yeah. And, like, I you know, see, I, I mean... Take- so, to me the most realistic portrayal of a come up in At is, is Brett Middle And mm-hmm. um and his movie about one of my I can put it sleep right? Yeah. Yeah,
3: yeah.
4: Or like it is I this think that is like the most accurate portrayal, but it's
3: Bert this to work your way up on the road yeah yeah and his other movie um oh it's funny he has two movies where it's like it feels really grounded in the reality of different types of comedy He has one about improv where it's an improv troupe oh right and uh, yeah and it's yeah don't think twice and it's like again it's like i've known every single part of person that i'm sure somebody will say oh yeah you're that guy from, yeah. From doing improv, if you're you're yeah. you're that one, you know. So, so as long as I'm the Chris Gethard guy, and I'm fine. So that makes me happy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, so you you had two albums of your own, Sweet Beth and Simply the Best. Um yeah. How did you prepare prepare for that? Is it a lot like preparing for your hour? Uh, it, it, how, so, where, where, how's it similar and how's it different?
4: Um, I would say there are some similarities in that there was a set list, uh, (laughs) but, um, you know, we can't take things back. So what are you going to do? You can't live in regret. but I mean, the most comics, I I don't like push them or recommend them to do an album. I mean, Mm -hmm. I get why. And it is cool to have out there. Like, um, And sometimes it can be like a really beautiful best version of that stuff if you want to move on from it. Mm -hmm. But for me, that wasn't really it. It was just sort of, I had been doing some of these bits for a while and it felt like the next step. And then I had a rooftop, you know, saying they were fans and, you know, it's not that they forced me to do it or something, but they pushed me to do it and encouraged me. And I recorded it in Chicago and, uh, long story short the audio wasn't great and i felt like people were laughing too hard and it wasn't that funny and my jokes got my j- my backpack got stolen the night before the taping with all my set lists
3: mm.
4: and while i was someone who started in stand up and said i wouldn't have set lists but i'm so i definitely always have a set list with me so I, I felt like of course i knew the jokes it's just a matter of like oh gosh i don't have my my mm. and um so i don't know that version of it got scrapped and I just decided to use a Zoom in Cleveland off of this show I did at the attic of a bar. I didn't really tell anybody I was recording my album. So that's sweet, But mm-hmm. And you can tell. You know, it's like people are laughing, but they're not, like, overly laughing, and it doesn't sound like an overproduced stand-up album because it's not. just yeah. me doing a show in a bar in Cleveland. Um, I prepared but there was like a, a a stress to it i remember writing a set list with my boyfriend Nick making his, his black suburban out out front of uh where i did it it was called red something i can't remember it right now bar name uh and i don't even know if it still exists but um yeah i was still writing the set list and working things out and there's jokes in there that I may have told once and there's old stories that I told many times that are, I could tell better now. I mean, you know, it was seven years ago and it seems like a lifetime. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, um, and then simply the best similarly was like, I wanted to put out something. Like I don't have a great history of putting out an album. That's the final product. In fact, mm-hmm. it's almost like an in-between, and I'm not saying we should do that at all, but it's like oddly an in-between, where some of those jokes on Simply the Best that I put down, I later did the better version of them in my Netflix half-hour of the stand-ups, and then mm-hmm. I wish the audio of the stand-ups would go out. That would be nice if people could listen yeah. to that. I'd, I'd much rather people listen to that than nothing else I've ever done. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, simply the best thing has jokes too, that I just still told in the moment or it had experienced earlier that year and now they're gone. I, you know, I don't tell them yeah. anymore. Um, and I remember again at Beat kitchen in Chicago, just dressing up, doing a set list. And it's not like, I don't know. I didn't have fun doing either of them. I mean, maybe that's a bit of a harsh take, but it's more stressful and unnecessary. And I can't believe yeah. they exist, and I can't take them back.
3: Um, yeah.
4: So yeah,
3: got to I, I talk, to Hugh, you know, talk to you. Yeah, talk to huge <laughs> comedians where they're like, "Oh, I just." They, 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 it's not that they regret it because you know regret you know, they, but it's just they're like, oh, "I just wish I hadn't done it at that time." Yeah, and I think every all and, and, comics should be listening to these comics that are
4: saying, "Don't do an album; you're not good." <laughs> <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, is it, well, that's the thing. It's like they're like, oh yeah, I'll show you, and then you get these great elms. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, my, so I have a, a, a bit of a, a shared commonality. My grandparents actually retired to Ohio, um, oh, cool. Grin Falls, uh, which yeah. is a very. I, so I spent many a summer there. It's weird because there's like this mall that we used to go to is now completely abandoned, and trees are growing out of the ceiling and or the roofs and stuff, and it's like. Ooh. It, I always found Ohio a really, especially being Canadian, like it's it's it was sort of like Canada, but yeah, just tilted slightly differently. Where it's just everything felt off, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was just it was so weird visiting them because it's like yeah, this is like home but not. Uh, and and how, how did Ohio and and like if you, know, you have the bit, you know, you can put your stuff in your bag and leave. Oh yeah. Uh, how, <laughs> how did that affect uh, your voice, your comic voice, and and, and and how you tell your stories.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, when you're born somewhere, it's been like just in your cells, you know, where you talk and your perspectives mm-hmm. and what you're exposed to. And so in a lot of ways, you can't help that because mm-hmm. that's where you were. Um, that's where they, you know, mixed the dough and, you know, yeah. rolled you out or made you into a little all. But um <laughs> then um, yeah I haven't really tried to shed it. I really love Ohio. I mean I I'm I love my hometown. My family lives there. I love visiting. I have nothing against mm-hmm. Ohio. That joke's just sort of more funny and something that I joked about with my comedy friends and and uh cohorts, the Putterbaugh sisters. But Mine. um yeah, that was just more like a, a silly joke, but like, you know, of course, Ohio is also a big state, so like, I don't, it's hard to say you're proud because there's some people there who I'm not proud of, and even, even in my hometown, especially mm-hmm. like politically lately, but at the end of our block when we were home, I'm like, I remember when Trump won, our next door neighbor had the Hillary sign, like, for a month in our front yard. And I remember thinking Ohio and denial. And at the end of our um, <laughs> street, somebody, when I was home over Thanksgiving, put Trump in red underneath the stop sign. So it just a stop Trump. So our little mm. corner is fun. Um, <laughs> but we do live in a, I grew up in Oakwood and everybody always hears Oakwood and say, like, oh, you're rich, but there's two sides to Oakwood. And, and we definitely am. Um, like literally, there's an east and a west side, and on the east side, there's mm-hmm. normal homes. Like, you know, I grew up with a mom who was a teacher who worked in Kettering, and you know, we just had one bathroom and three bedrooms for the four of us. Sometimes mm-hmm. seven of us. My mom did remarry once, and we had some we had some guests for about nine years. But, um, you know, like it was a. Um, I'm thankful for my upbringing, but it certainly wasn't like um, extravagant or something. Like I had jobs and didn't have a car but like mm-hmm. I think that I'm very thankful for that for all of that for the way that I was raised and that I had jobs yeah. and and um and the darker parts of my childhood too I'm always thankful for I mean um mm-hmm. because I mean you can't change it so you embrace it but on top of that I, I think yeah. unfortunately I mean I don't know if it's unfortunately but hardship in my opinion breeds cool people <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I just think yeah. that it's you have a better perspective. I, I don't know. I had to work for everything, and I, I'm thankful. My mom never um, gave me everything. I had to work for it for everything I've earned.
3: Yeah. I, I, I um, grew up in a town similar to that, and it's like it's the same thing. Like I, I joke about, oh, I never want to go back, but I always enjoy going back. Is yeah. Its place because it's home, you know it's, it it yeah. helps you become who you are, so yeah, yeah, I love yeah. being
4: home. I think there's times I yeah. dream of getting the house next to my mom's house. I see myself yeah. more in my mom as I age, which is parallel
3: mm. now, now, you kind of touched on the dark parts, like the thing with your your material that i I really love, um, and I kind of touched on it when we talked about. Your album, simply the best, with uh, how like at times you just sneak darkness into, into <laughs> moments. Like it's like it's like oh this is lovely this is lovely and then, and then there's the twist and and it's it's really it, it, it feels because that's what life is like. It's like yeah things seem awesome and then you realize oh no there's this really dark thing underneath the surface. There now, how how do you balance that tension? Like how, is it something you actively work at or is it just something that comes naturally?
4: You know, I it definitely is something that comes naturally. I don't ever, like, end with a punchline and then try to get there. Or I, I It's like like I kind of mentioned before, I don't know how to teach stand-up. Um, sometimes mm. I think of a joke and then I write it down. Or I like to sit and say what's going on in my life and kind of try to write jokes from there. Uh, the funny mm. thing about that is, you know, you do that and then the what's going on in my life becomes the next two years if you keep those jokes, you know which goes back to the idea of what that guy said, which is like, mm, keep repeating. It's like, well, for some reason, that's just what the art is right now. I mean, it always has been. Yeah. It could keep changing. Podcasting, oddly, is like, I think changing some of that because
1: mm-hmm. I wanted, I could
4: get on a podcast of my own and I can talk to myself for an hour and people would probably listen. And I don't think that's healthy, but <laughs> that would be me <laughs> making people laugh about an everyday thing and, They're like, that's what they're relating to more. Like what's going on now and this or that, as opposed to here's something I've crafted over the last two years, you know, but even that's changing, you know, specials have changed. Like they're called a special for a reason, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. um, because it's supposed to be something that is in fact special that you crafted and worked Mm on however long it took you to do it. And uh, now specials seem more like podcasts for a lot of people. Just kind of talking. Um, yeah, but there's just so so much. Sorry, what were you gonna say? You go.
3: I was just gonna say, there's so much volume of specials, too. It just seems like there's a new one every day.
4: Yeah, it's kind of wrong.
3: Um,
4: yeah, but uh, I remember watching Dana Gould when I first moved to LA, and uh, I was at What's Up Tiger Lily, which is Mm -hmm. a show that Maria. Stanford and Melinda Hill ran. It was booked by a woman named Jazz Ponce. And um, it was really hard to get on. The lineups were long and it was cool to be on the show. But I just remember watching Dana Gold, like, I can't remember the exact joke, but it's just like a long story, long and dark, almost like he was telling him sort of like a, almost like a um, scary story, like. Around a campfire, and then it was just like a, a blow at the end that made me laugh so hard. I mean, obviously I'm being vague because I can't remember, and this was eight yeah. years ago. But it was like watching him do that was um, I, I. That I definitely, obviously, it tickled me and I related to it. But um, um yeah, I, I don't know really why I am like that. Um, I just. Like, it's not that I get off on of making people uncomfortable or anything. Who said that to me? That was really funny. I'm trying to remember now. Um, some people must have came and seen me. I, I was in Eugene on Sunday, and a group of people mm-hmm. who were really awesome, you know, sweet, encouraging. Like, we've been following you, and we, we you know, loved your stuff. And we saw you in Portland, Portland once at the Star, and and then... Their friend chimed in, he wasn't there, and he goes, you made him really uncomfortable. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) it made me laugh if you kind of laugh it off, but it's very possible I did. Um, You know, there is like a squirminess, I suppose, sometimes in delivering something that dark. But eventually it came out, I guess they were referring. I kicked a couple out within the first seven minutes because they were hammered in the front row. And so I think uh, that's not what they were talking about, because then she chimed in and yeah. was like, thank you for doing that. Those people ruin shows all the time. But these people yeah. were freaking hammered down. It was like, wow. I had to get them out. Yeah, it, and it was like seven. It
3: oh, It's weird as how people think, oh, I can just go and be a drunken fool and like ruin everybody else's experience. I don't, you don't see that at, like the theater you don't see that uh, at like movies. Well now you do with shows, people on th- their phones. Oh. But yeah. Yeah. Now people yeah. are like on
4: their phones at Broadway shows and I I uh, almost did it. I almost airdropped a like this tweet because I was watching Ben Platt and he had, he's tweeted in the past about people on their phones during his show while he's like trying to he gives brilliant performances. And mm-hmm. he look down at people on their own phone and, I mean that makes me so mad. <clears throat> so I almost airdropped The tweet of his that I screenshot to several people who were on their phones around me.
3: (laughs) But then I would have been on my (laughs) phone. So those catch 22s would be a stiff burn, but then you'd be cell phone kind of thing. And I need to Um, somehow
4: figure out how to change my name on my phone so it doesn't say from my full name. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, Now, now, um, you, you talked about your mom a few moments ago. Now, when you do your material about your mom, there's a lovingness there. Uh, and it's so clear how much you care about her. Um, but it, it, at the same time, you, you, you did the 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 bit about uh, when you were in you were in that Playboy article online. Oh, yeah. uh, is there ever a point where you go like, you know, this is funny, but it's mom. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it let it go <laughs> kind of thing. Or is it <laughs> is it just like you just like oh she's so funny. I'm gonna just enjoy it. Yeah, I think it's
4: like I think she is always up for it. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's only one time where she got upset with me and I feel really bad about it. But mm-hmm. also, yeah, and, and that joke is only in one thing. And it was actually mm-hmm. like, it, 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 it. that's a deeper story, but it was when I was like, I was in a darker place and I was seeing someone who's not a nice person. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that that's the one joke that I regret, um, like telling cause it wasn't, I don't know, but, but like, I guess Dove dovetailing off of that in the same couplet of jokes, mm-hmm. my Netflix hour or half hour is, um, my mom still lives at home. Loser. So I had that little bit in there, and um, yeah. it hurt my feelings. It, it, coupled with the other thing I just mentioned that I'm not going to say, not because I don't want to, but I like a, it was just a dumb old reference about her living alone. On top of that, my mom
3: mm-hmm. told her.
4: so that I could understand why it hurt feelings, and it really I felt awful. Like she really did, yeah. so that didn't feel good at all. So I don't want to do that. But then my mom and I, and that was probably four years ago. But my mom and I do a podcast together and we call other people's moms and uh, it's called We Called Your Mom. And um, comics think they're going to be a part of it, but they're not. Like we just, it's just me and my mom calling their mom. And so we called Maria Banford's mom, Marilyn. And Marilyn and my mom, Diane, teamed up on me and we're like, because my mom brought it up. She was like, now, Marilyn, have you ever had a joke told about you that, you know, hurt your feelings? (laughs) And I'm sure she has with Maria, you know, like Maria. And I I think probably share, you know, I don't want to flatter myself. I just mean we share a little bit of that. And if anything, she's influenced it. Um, Mm -hmm. But. I like talking about her mom or imitating her mom and uh, to me that's a very Maria thing and um, I mean of course it's a human thing, everybody <laughs> could imitate their mom but yeah. you get what I'm saying I'm just giving her credit for yeah, what yeah. do and um, anyway they teamed up on me about the loser joke and Marilyn was like I, yeah I think you should take that out and I was like it's in the special it's too late <laughs> but uh, they just, it's so funny because they're very smart women both of them and both mm-hmm. need to understand that, of course, you live at home. It's your home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke. If I said it about my sister, that'd be it'd be cruel. Um, you know, but it,
3: it is your house. Yeah.
4: You're still allowed to live there. They, they just weren't really having it. It was but, You know, I took it. <laughs> I took uh, it.
3: You know, when, it, when it's your when it's your mom? You, get, you know, a mom. You got to take. You got to take it. They're mom. It took the They're always home. right. Yeah. 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 You, know, um, you you've done a lot of writing for television as well as stand up um, and, and do punch up work. And you've also you produ- were one of the producers of the Good Boys. Uh, is, is there like is something that you per- like Do you prefer writing for stand up or do you prefer like doing punch up work or, or, or writing for screen? Like where do you feel more I mean, comfortable I- right now?
1: I
4: love doing punch up
3: because it's just like the bones
4: are there and I can just come in and pitch out my imagination, my ideas and my perspective mm-hmm. and add jokes in and it's very rewarding to see them then go in, you know, it's like, very mm-hmm. you know, flattering of course, but then just cool to say that you leave your mark on something. And um, mm-hmm. I get a lot of joy out of that outside of my own up. Um, I don't know if I have a preference. I think, you know, stand up will always be my first love because that's what got me everything. Um, yeah. But I really, I do like punch up. Um, I still sometimes find, you know, cracking the whole thing myself to be daunting. Um, I don't know if there's mm-hmm. a writer who doesn't, but, um, yeah, now that I've entered more collaborative work, I seek out more feedback than I ever did with my Mm stand-up. And um, So that's interesting, too. Um, Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did I answer that?
3: (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Uh, Okay, so a couple more questions and I'll let you go and have breakfast and get on with your day. Um, (laughs) So one question I asked, Pretty much everybody is, is. Do you have a particular, like, weird experience? It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, whatever weird experience, but like a weirdest performance experience. Like, I have one guest who performed at a nudist colony and another at a bachelorette party. So is there any, oh, wow. like, performance where it's just, like, so strange or just out there that it, it really stands out in your memory?
4: Yeah, I i remember, like, around LA, I just say yes to a lot of shows, and LA is known for know. not really paying comics which I think breeds the sort of, um, I guess, lax approach to comics on stage, you know, Mm -hmm. um, sort of, I can't think of the word, but it doesn't matter. But whereas in New York, you know, you have your paid spots and you get up they take themselves very seriously. And, you know, it's like that everybody likes to think of the dynamic like that, I suppose, but... um, Because there's a lot of like strange different shows around LA, like house shows, backyard shows, and those happen in Brooklyn too, but you just find yourself saying yes to things, you know, like, because you're not expecting to really get paid. So you're like, oh, I'll get up. Well, sure. some guy emailed me and I agreed to do it, and he said it was a house show. And when I got there, it was like there were, it was really just him and four friends in their living room. And I was like, only reason I felt okay is because Matt Broussard was there and Andy Peters who are the other <laughs> comics and I was like yeah. okay so I'm not alone uh, mm-hmm. and you know the, and, uh, and I just performed in front of a wall in their living room um, it felt like the comics outweighed the audience and oh, wow. uh, there's a piano and um, it ended up being really fun but yeah what an odd thing to do to pretend you're going to I mean, I think they might have yeah. had intentions of having a house show, but it was just 100% yeah. them guy friends hanging in the living room asking comics to come to their house and being... It kind of felt like, oh, my God, I can't believe we got Best Selling to come to our house. It's like, I
2: can't believe you did
4: either. Yeah, so that made me reevaluate some things later in my choices.
3: It, it's funny, I mean, like, you can't... Comp- yeah, yeah. Like comedy is like one of the things, one of the few jobs, jobs or professions where you're like, yeah, I'll just get in a car and go someplace that I don't know where I'm going, and yeah. uh, do it. And it's like for for everybody, it's like it is it, pretty bananas. But you know, sometimes some good good material comes from that. Um, okay, so last question before I let you go, I have to ask: Did your mother ever figure out who her best friend was? You don't have to tell me no. who it was. This, no to no. this day. Yeah.
4: It's oh. like I forget what ended up happening. Um she showed me the envelope. She found the envelope um where she had been writing all her guesses down and um mm-hmm. she's no longer with sprint, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think yeah. So she she um she's now on my oldest sister's family plan. But um I don't think that she ever got the answer because Gail was like her cousin and um, Margo was her like college friend, but um, she couldn't figure it out. At one point, I think, and I don't put this in the bit because I don't think it was as funny, but maybe it did at some point, but she had said something like the Beatles. (laughs) bad response to his best friend for the Beatles um I mean uh, she's a musician and a pianist and a music teacher Mm -hmm. she was but anyway so but no I think the answer is no because sorry
3: yeah
4: yeah um she couldn't but that whole thing is hilarious she's she's Uh, hilarious
3: yeah, it just I, I went. That was one of those bits where I'm like, that is like my relationship with my mom. Like I completely identified with that moment, and I'm like, I, I could see that. Ex- I guess like my mom, uh, she just moved into the house and it was helping her set up her internet. So I'm like, okay, get out your. your she had like three different books of passwords, and I'm like, okay, what <laughs> book is the right one? And I'm like, okay, we got to consolidate this, and then we're going through like none of these passwords are actually right. Canada, so it's like. Oh, uh, it was just it's like I I felt that in my heart when I first first heard that bit. And it's like it was beautiful. It was beautiful.
4: Uh, I'm glad.
3: <laughs> well, Beth, I wanna thank you so much for taking the time uh to to speak with me today. And um is there anything um we're gonna be putting this up at the in the, at the start of January. Um is there anything that you'd like to let people know about?
4: I'll be I mean, um I'll be uh, touring in all of January and February um, in leading up to where, where I'll be taping my hour special in in March in mm-hmm. Chicago. So those those details are forthcoming, but yeah, I mean, I'm in Denver, Charleston, Houston, um, Durham, Indianapolis, Vancouver, February 20th. Um, I'm trying to think if I have other Canadian dates lined up for you guys. Um, I'll be back trying to get back to Toronto and, I had really fun time at, in Calgary at Sled Island. Or yeah, mm-hmm. Sled island. Um, sounds like Sled Island. Um, but anyway, so yes, basically I'm touring SweetBeth.com/backslash/tour, leading up to the filming of my special, and and that's really it. Focused on that. Terrific.
3: Um Yeah. All right. Well, thank down. you again. Uh, we I, I, it, when you're next in Toronto, I will be there for sure because I missed you last okay. time, and I'm like, oh, I, I we we had tickets to the the following week's show, and I'm like, my wife's got them for me, and I was like, oh, you get, but, but ah, good. I need to pay more attention to the local listings. <laughs> <laughs> you
4: do, no, but I'll I'll be back, and
3: I'll try to let you know. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks very much and have a good nap later on today. All right. Thanks. I'll talk to you later.
1: bye. Bye.